0: disease and medical challenges podcast the mission of our podcast is to support you our listeners and to create community as you confront the toughest challenges in life all of us will experience health hardships the real question is how do we adapt that's the focus of it happened to me we help you overcome limitations and live a full and satisfying life Drawing on their own health challenges, hosts Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman interview guests who share stories and research to help you succeed in the face of difficult health obstacles. It happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you.
1: With us today is Karen Grinzade. Karen is an assistant professor of human genetics and the executive director of JSCREEN, a national online genetic disease screening program based out of Emory University School of Medicine. She has extensive experience in prenatal, pediatric, and adult genetic counseling and testing, as well as clinical care and clinical research. Karen is proud of JSCREEN's success in helping couples across the United States have healthy babies and in giving people information that helps prevent the devastating effects of genetic diseases and hereditary cancers.
2: received her BA in psychology from Northwestern University and her MS in human genetics from Sarah Lawrence College. She is certified in genetic counseling by the American Board of Medical Genetics, American Board of Genetic Counseling, and as a clinical research coordinator through the Association of Clinical Research Professors. Well, you are certainly qualified, Karen. Now to our listeners. In episode four, we spoke with a genetic counselor Kira Denine, who is also our co-producer, and she is joining us today as a co-host on this episode. Today, we are going to discuss the genetic diseases through the lens of an important and innovative program at Emory University called j Karen, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Karen, let's thank start. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm... we're thrilled, Karen. We're thrilled. Let's start with the basics. What
3: is JSCREEN, and why was it founded? So as Kathy said, JSCREEN is a national at-home genetic testing and counseling program that's based out of Emory University's uh, Department of Human Genetics. And it was founded to address the need for both education and also accessible genetic screening and counseling to help parents plan for the health of their future children
1: now why i have to ask why do people with jewish ancestry specifically ashkenazi or eastern european jewish ancestry have higher genetic risks are there other ethnicities or ancestries that also have higher risks
3: so you know the truth is that every ethnic group has genetic risks that are specific to their group Um, In the Ashkenazi or Eastern uh, Central European Jewish population, diseases like Tay-Sachs disease, Canavan disease, Gaucher disease are more common uh, in that group than in other groups. I mean, that said, you can also see those diseases in other groups as well. Um, There are different genetic diseases that are common in other Jewish groups like Sephardic Jews. Um, uh, sickle cell disease is more common in African Americans. And there's a blood disease called thalassemia that's more common in people with Mediterranean background. So really, uh, it's not that Jews have Jews have specific diseases common in their group, but, but the same goes for other ethnic groups as well.
1: Now, back to J-Screen, when was it established and what is its mission?
3: So our program, we're going on our 10 year anniversary, which we're really excited about. Our program was established in 2013. Our mission is really to improve access to education and genetic testing with the goal of preventing genetic diseases. And while our original focus was on the Jewish community, We now offer testing that's relevant to people with any background, and anyone can come through our program.
1: Does JScreen then offer both um, prenatal and cancer genetic testing?
3: Uh, now we do. So we've been offering this reproductive carrier testing for people planning to have children for almost 10 years. Uh, we're currently testing for over 200 diseases and, you know, hope to add many more diseases in the in the very near future because that technology is available. Um, we started offering cancer genetic testing nationally in 2021 um, based on an interest from both Jewish and other communities. Um, because of increased risk. Um, Our cancer test includes 63 genes that are associated with increased risk for really over 40 different types of cancer. And those genes that we have on our cancer panel are actionable. And what we mean by that is if a person tests positive, there's something that they can do to help prevent cancer or detect it in an early treatable stage. So we want to make sure that we're giving people information that they can then use to be proactive about their health.
1: Wow, that uh, sounds important and it sounds diverse. It sounds like anyone can really benefit from that type of screening. Absolutely. Um, but back to the prenatal, how can JScreen screen help couples thinking about having a family?
3: So just a little bit of background on the genetics. We're primarily testing for diseases or inherit, that are inherited in a recessive way. And what that means is, with these diseases, both parents are healthy carriers, of that particular disease, and each of their children is at 25 percent risk for having the disease. And really for most couples that we test, we're providing reassurance. We're saying maybe you're a carrier for this, you're a carrier for something else. You're not both a carrier for the same disease, and you don't need to worry about increased risk of that disease in your in your future children. Maybe about four percent of the time we find that a couple is in fact at risk. And, and for those couples, our genetic counselors discuss with them options to help them plan for the health of their future family. So for example, um, that couple may be interested in uh, using in vitro fertilization with genetic testing uh, where the egg is fertilized outside of the body, genetic testing is done, and, uh, and healthy embryos are used uh, for, for a particular pregnancy. So they're getting around the risk of genetic disease in that way, or maybe a couple will decide that they're gonna, they're gonna try the odds, hope for their 75% and do testing uh, on the pregnancy to see if the, the baby's uh, affected. And so uh, the goal of the genetic counseling and the testing is to give people information so that they can plan ahead.
2: Well, it sounds like they are getting lots of information. So how do you participate in this program? Do you need a referral to access it?
3: So the way you participate in the program, we've, we've this was super innovative 10 years ago, but I think we're still doing a really good job. So all you need to do is go to our website, jscreen.org, and start registering for a test kit. And, and you can either register for the reproductive uh, carrier screening test or the cancer genetic test or both, depending on... Your age, whether you're having babies, what you're what you're interested in, if you're interested in cancer genetics, so you just sign up for testing. Now, uh, in the background, required to get um, a test order signed by your healthcare provider licensed in the state where you live. Uh, so we are asking for um, the name of your doctor, and we'll facilitate that process. And the good thing about that as well is when the results come back. Um, in addition to communicating results to you, we can also communicate results to your healthcare provider so that they can also help with next steps that are available locally in the place where you live.
2: Wow, it sounds like this is very easy and very efficient. So I wonder,
3: do you have to meet
2: with a genetic counselor during the testing process?
3: I, I would say, now I'm a genetic counselor, so I'm biased here, yes. but I would say that, the, that genetic counseling is the single most important part of our process Um, because once you start registering on our website we already have genetic counselors reviewing the information that you're putting in um, about prior testing about your family history about concerns that you have your age we want to make sure that whatever testing that you're doing is appropriate and useful to you uh, we answer questions back and forth via email with the individual. Uh, maybe we need prior uh, genetic testing records that would be helpful in the in the work that we're trying to do, in the testing that we're trying to do. Now, when results are ready, um, and if that result is positive, we do require strongly, strongly encourage genetic counseling to discuss those results before we release the results. And I'll I'll talk in a few minutes um, about how that's done. Uh, Genetic counseling is also available for negative results. And also if there's a variant found on the cancer genetic testing, Um, but really our goal is to make sure that we're doing the right testing and that people really, really understand their results and next steps.
2: Well, this sounds so thorough. I'm so absolutely impressed with this process, but I wonder, can you do this remotely or by
3: telehealth Yeah. I I call our program from outer space. So all all of the genetic counseling, everything other than having some in-person educational events around the country, and we do, we talk to a lot of community groups and we'll do some in-person screenings like at colleges and a com- with community organizations, the vast majority of what we do is via telehealth, and okay. all of the genetic counseling happens via telehealth. And that means either by phone or uh, secure video conferencing, like secure Zoom, uh, to to meet with either the individual or the individual individual and their partner to talk about their results. Oh,
2: that's perfect. So now the question is, who's eligible? Is it limited to? just Jewish people from, uh, you know, uh, Ashkenazi Jews, or is it open to a wider group?
3: So I'm going to say anyone is able to participate, and my caveat is going to be, I mean, we have some age restrictions. So okay. for example, we don't test minors, you know, we don't test anyone under the age of 18. Even for the cancer genetic testing program, we're really discouraging testing under age 21. You know, we want, we want to make sure a person is at an age where that information is going to be yes. useful. But in terms of ethnic background, um, even though we started in the Jewish community with a much smaller set of 19 disease back in 2013 that were relevant to that group. Uh, we're using now both for reproductive and cancer testing what we call pan-ethnic panels. And what that means is uh, there are genes that are included um, where there may be a higher risk in, in, uh, in uh, the Jewish community, and an Asian, someone with Asian background, African-American background, Mediterranean background. We have all of those populations covered. Uh, genes uh, that are relevant in those groups within each of our testing panels so it doesn't matter what your background is the testing is going to be informative for you and anyone can sign up for testing
0: perfect Um, i'm like jumping right into things because this is my area so i'm also a prenatal genetic counselor on top being one of the producers of this show And Karen, you bring up such a great point of pan-ethnic screening because years ago, a lot of OBGYNs and different providers ordering carrier screening would order one specific to someone's ethnicity. Um, And those panels are still available many places, like JScreen, I believe. But um, we're really trying to move towards pan-ethnic so that you're ordering one test for everybody. People that come through my office When I offer them carrier screening, I'm not differing what I offer based on their ethnicity. It's more just do they want the testing or not. Mm -hmm. So, how do the detection rates differ between ethnicities? Because that's been a big issue in genetics of, you know, I'm mostly Irish background. So, for me, like I had a higher chance of being a cystic fibrosis carrier. Um, I came back negative. um, But how do these detection rates differ with J screen?
3: Yeah, I'll say that when you, if you decide to do a carrier screening, expanded carrier screening like this, um, it's really important that the technology used um, is a sequencing technology, meaning that instead of just looking at common changes in a gene, let's say just common Jewish changes within the tay gene, that the laboratory is looking at the entire gene, top to bottom, where they can potentially look for thousands of different changes in the gene, and then really, regardless of your background, um, detection rates will be very high. So, for the majority of, of genes on these testing panels regardless of your background detection rates can be in the you know 99% or better and that's not that's not across the board for everything but for the vast majority of of uh, genes on the panels um uh, uh, detection rates going to be very high
0: i've seen that change over the years where Um, used to be people of different backgrounds had a much lower rate if they were non-European. And I'm starting Mm -hmm. to see those numbers come up as we're including more non-European genomes in our databases because we really started with, I don't want to say exclusively but the vast majority of the genomes we had in the databases were european based and so we're slowly slowly working towards this i wish it was happening faster in the field in general um so you know you also mentioned variants can come up and so i think that's something just for people to define for the audience that may not know this variant is variant of unknown significance is when we find a genetic change and we say well does this make the gene not work and make someone a carrier or is this just human diversity and it doesn't change anything? Um, So sometimes it's hard to figure out which it is. For people that are doing this testing, I tend to recommend patients to check back with me or their healthcare provider in like five years if they're having more children. What what is your recommendation? Because I, I kind of have to, that's I started saying that like two years ago, but I'm like I should check back. Like, do you still recommend checking back? Um, and what would be the reasons to check back? Because someone's genetics are not changing.
3: So we tell people that if they're planning uh, to have another child that they check back with us, Uh, you know, that's not always possible because you don't always know when you're going to get pregnant, but to check back with us before you plan to get pregnant again and see if there are additional diseases on on the testing panel. And if so, that they need to update. And um, so that's, I don't don't know whether you want to give a time frame or whether you just want to say prior to any pregnancy, check back and see if there's new information.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's helpful because things do change. I mean, we started by ordering like one condition. It was probably mostly um, what uh, at the beginning it was kind of the three: the fragile X, SMA, um, and cystic, cystic fibrosis. fibrosis. Right. Thank you. I was like, where's my other one? Um, so now some panels go up to 500 conditions. So it, it really ranges, and I think patients have a harder time of figuring out. Well, you know when is this enough like oh this panel is more but i think one thing to think about is as you were bringing up that we're looking at conditions that are common enough which most of you know a lot of these are rare diseases but common enough once you start getting into the 500 they're so rare um so i think that's one thing to look at and like what are those detection rates um and and what are the conditions what when would they affect someone? Is it gonna affect them as a child? Is it gonna affect them as like a late adult? Um, so there's a lot of different factors to consider. And I think um, different companies look at that in a different way of saying, like, okay, are we doing, you know, which conditions are we including and why? So, um, you know, having a, how many is on your panel? 200?
3: Right now, 226, but we will 26. be expanding. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think that's the importance. I mean, look, we're both genetic counselors, but I think that, you know, if you, if you tell an OBGYN, you know, you're going to be ordering this 550 disease panel and kind of good luck figuring out how to explain that to your patients. <laughs> I think the genetic counseling component is so important because these are healthcare professionals who can help, help you understand what the results mean regardless of the of results that are coming back. Mm-hmm.
0: Very well said. Yeah, I I have a lot of OBGYNs that end up referring to me to be like, hey, this condition came up. I don't know what it is. And oftentimes I've never heard of the condition. But as genetic counselors, we're trained to figure out well, how can I get this information? What's relevant for the patient? Does their partner need to be tested or the sperm donor? Which in the vast majority of cases, the answer is yes, we would recommend that. Um, So when people do find out their test results, you said, um, you know, if it's positive, if they've been identified as a carrier. Um, As part of the J screen workflow, are they then meeting with a genetic counselor or like, I know you kind of mentioned this earlier, but I wanted to dive a little bit more into like the, the workflow of when they get results, if they're meeting with a genetic counselor.
3: So when the results are ready, um, then the the individual will get an email saying your results are ready. Click here to schedule your uh, telehealth genetic counseling appointment. And they, they get, they schedule that appointment. We try to make it convenient their daytime evening you know sunday hours that they can that they can schedule an appointment and and during that appointment uh the results are discussed next steps are discussed any clarification of family history who else in the family you know could benefit from testing and then uh, at, right at the end of that session there was both the uh, lab report and also well you know within half an hour consultation note um, is sent back to the individual and also to their healthcare provider. A lot of times with positive results, also um, uh, where we think this this may be something really important, we'll also make a call first to the healthcare provider and let them know uh, this came up. We, we're going to be discussing this, this with your patient. Do you want to approach them about it first? Do you want us to contact them directly? So we we want to be working as a team uh, to make mm-hmm. sure people are getting good information. Yeah,
0: that that is very, very helpful to have that. And I think one thing that I, I hope in the future of the field is that at GYN appointments, people will be offered carrier screening on a more routine basis, especially when they're in their late teens, early 20s. Because right now in the field, most people are offered when they're already pregnant, but really the best time to do it is before you're pregnant. Do you see that that's feasible? Do you think that that could happen? Or am I just dreaming too much?
3: Yeah. So I'm going to brag a little bit because we, we, we we've polled laboratories before who say that really 85 plus percent of people that, uh, samples coming in for carry testing on people that are already pregnant. doesn't make sense because it's then taken away options, you know, if you're in a situation. So because we do a lot of not direct to consumer testing at all, but a lot of direct to consumer marketing, like getting information out, do this before you get pregnant. Over 90% of people coming through J-Screen are not yet pregnant. Okay. And wow. so because we're encouraging people wow. to pl- please do this testing um, before before pregnancy. I haven't
0: heard stats from other labs for that, but I would be very shocked if there were other labs that were higher than that, based on you know who I've worked yeah. with and everything. So that's that's really impressive. Um, but I think Beth, you had some questions too about just like cost of the test and, and other parts. Well. Karen, I am always interested in costs and
2: bottom line. That's sort of my thing, and so the lawyer in you, yes, right, Beth? I think so I'm always uh, wondering about the costs. And this is such an excellent program. And as a matter of fact, we had a situation in our family where uh, two young people in the family uh, did this carrier screening, and calls went out to a number of family members to asking us, "Would you mind going to get tested?" And I had never heard you mention one of the diseases that I was asked to get tested for. I called my doctor and they were a little shocked. I wanted to be tested for it. Um, And this was quite a few years ago. And when I got the results back that I was not a carrier, I then called my children. I said, good news, you don't have this. And they said, what? So, I mean, now this is much more uh, standard. This was a very unusual request five years ago. I think it's becoming much more standard, and I think it's great, this information sharing. I, I think this is wonderful, what you're doing. But I do want to ask, what does this wonderful program cost, and do you accept insurance?
3: So when we, when we set up this program, we wanted to figure out a way Uh, that we could make testing affordable, regardless of a person's benefits, uh, whether they have a $5,000 deductible in their health plan or they have high out-of-pocket costs, um, or, um, you know, we we didn't want them to say, okay, I'm gonna do testing and not genetic counseling because the genetic counseling (laughs) is too expensive. So the way we work this is we established a program fee, and that fee includes both the testing and the genetic counseling. And as long as you enter your insurance information uh, and, and the laboratory has an opportunity to bill, we use commercial labs. It's not us that's doing that billing. Um, that, that, that you won't have to pay any more than the program fee. We work out we work out billing with the lab through JScreen, we're a nonprofit um so anyhow we're charging 149 dollars for the reproductive testing and 199 for the cancer genetic testing and that includes again the testing and any follow-up genetic counseling um, so if your are and, and so if your insurance kicks it out we don't cover genetic testing you, your deductible co-pays it doesn't matter as long as you've entered your insurance information We have self-pay rates for people who don't have insurance or don't want to use their insurance. And we also have financial assistance for people who qualify. So our our goal is to make sure that everyone has access to screening and we do everything we can to make that possible. Wonderful. this, This sounds
2: terrific. It just sounds, and that sounds very fair to me, Karen, for everything that you're offering, the ease of access, You can be at home, you can take your test at home, you spit in the tube, you get the results, you're contacted. All of this, you've made it so easy for people to access this very valuable information. And I have to say, I think this was a wonderful, wonderful interview. We've learned so very much. Karen, thank you. Uh, This information is going to help our listeners access all the resources at JScreen. And JScreen link is in our show notes and on our website it happened to me pod.com. Thank you again, Karen, and have a great thank day. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, 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 Karen. Too. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Always
0: nice chatting with another GC. <laughs> <And> thank you, <laughs> <Kayla>. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of It Happened to Me. We encourage you to learn more at ithappentomepod.com. That's ithappentomepod.com. Please use the contact form on our website to submit your guest suggestions, comments, questions, ideas, and feedback for the show. You can also email us directly at ithappentomepod at gmail.com. Again, that's it happened to me, pod at gmail.com. We would also really appreciate it if you can leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast app, probably Apple or Spotify. This helps others in the rare disease and medical challenges community find us. It Happened to Me is created and hosted by Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman. Steve Holsenback is our media engineer and co-producer. Myself, Kier Deneem from DNA Today, is our marketing lead and co-producer. Ashlyn Onokian is our graphic designer. And remember, It Happened to Me, I'm not alone, and neither are you.